joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. I'm Chris Hemke. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, today we got an awesome episode for you. We're back up in the studio for the first yeah, time man. in a minute. I'll tell you what, uh, the air circulation in our studio is not the best. It's a little little, little hot in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's odd when it's warmer in the shop <laughs> than it is, or, or colder in the shop than it is in the studio. Uh, but hey, we're glad to be up here. We're, we're diving into this kind of crank no start. We, we wanted to do this whole how-to series. Yep. Uh, and really give you guys some good information, something that you'd be able to use in the future. Uh, and we thought, man, how many crank no start issues have we dealt with yeah. here at Duramax Tuner? Well, it all started, we have a customer in-house, right? A uh, real good customer of ours, uh, has a 05 LOI Duramax, and uh, simple as that, he went camping with his family, yep. drove the truck, parked the camper, truck wouldn't start for the rest of the weekend. He didn't That's have a scan so tool, had nothing there, right? So Monday comes around, he gives us a call, says, hey, this is my symptoms, this is what I have going on, and he gets the truck towed in. And I started thinking about it. We get a lot of guys, you know, that, hey, my truck doesn't start, my truck doesn't run, this, that, or the other. Um, and it's like, okay, well, I look at it, and me and you were talking about this, and you're like, well, yeah, troubleshooting a fuel system is really simple. And it's like, well, you think that, and I think that. Right. But does our listeners, our viewers, new guys getting into diesel, do they think a fuel system is really easy to die in? Well, yeah, and I think there's also, like, there's this assumption that we jump into that we're like, we hear crank, no start, and we're like, we deal with tuned trucks. Yep. We deal with, with like, mostly this is like an older Duramax issue. I'd say it's the most popular well, one to have this happen older, on. Older parts, you know, uh, the miles, you know. Like, yeah. of course it's not going to happen to a newer truck or the <laughs> likelihood of, of it happening to yeah. a five-year-old truck versus a 15-year-old truck. Well, well and I then I started thinking about it. I was like, man. How many EC, how many crashed ECMs have we had to diagnose yeah. that are that are crank no start or no crank no start? Yeah. You, you know, we get into these these it won't start issues, yeah. and and it is regardless of what your truck costs, it costs a lot to you, yeah. right? And I don't know anybody who owns a diesel who's like, oh, this is a cheap purchase for me. That's yeah, just no not one something. has ever said that. Nobody no. says that, right? No. So it's like. It's one of your most important assets. It's one yeah. of the most expensive things you likely own, and you go out to do it, and it won't do the most basic function of just oh, turn start. the fuck over. Start. Right? Yeah. Just run. Just run. That's that's what we want from it. So today we're going to talk about some of the common symptoms. We're going to talk about the differences between some of the OEMs. I know I'm strong on, like, the LB7 LLY crank no start, but probably I don't I'm certain I don't know much about a mid, you know, third gen Cummins. Well, I, I think, think I would struggle with, with diagnosing that beyond some of the basics. Yeah. So, so Chris and I will weigh in as much as we can. I know neither one of us are necessarily six liter experts. I don't no. think we'll talk too much no. about that. I think this is more or less like a common rail injection style how to. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like you mentioned, like the LB7 LOI versus the other common rail systems, there's one piece of the puzzle that's slightly different on those, but at the end of the day, it all comes together it nicely. Does. So. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so we'll hit on some of the electrical components, like Chris said, the fuel system, mm -hmm. and then also we'll try to touch on some of the tools used for diag. That's probably the most important Absolutely. piece of the puzzle here especially when you're trying to call a shop for a remote diag <laughs> common sense guys we right. need some type of tooling to communicate right. absolutely uh, but before we do that we want to give a shout out to our sponsors Duramax tuner calibrated power you guys know that's yeah. where Chris and I work thanks guys <laughs> um, we got a big sale going on right now it's the 4th of July super sale we got 10% off stealth turbos we got 15% off custom tuning that $250 off that six-speed conversion kit for the LB7 and LLYs that's been very popular all month long we've had this sale and then we just introduced our 67 stealth for the 6.7 power stroke 15 to current yeah also 10% off so. awesome awesome turbo really excited for those 
and then also we want to give a shout out to XRG Performance. I think I'm wearing an XRG hat as it, we speak. It looks Look good. Yeah. It looks good. It does. Uh, big shout out to those guys. We love working with yeah. those guys. All of our upgraded fuel system components here always come from XRG. Well, next on the list, you got WC Fab. Pretty much if we have any coolant tanks, intercooler pipes, intakes. Yeah. Uh, we have some cool stuff in the, in the works on some intake shootout stuff, right? I think that came out um, like... It, I think that will be out the day before this perfect, this episode goes perfect. live. So nice so, timing. Um, you know, anytime we're looking for those types of upgrades, WC Fab are the go-to in the diesel industry for that. Traction bars, powder-coated coloring, things, things of that nature. No question. And then about XDP. It. You know, XDP is your one-stop shop for anything diesel-related, whether it's fluids for maintenance, uh, upgrades, tuners, turbos, anything that your diesel pickup truck could need or you would potentially ever want for it, you could go to XDP for it. That's right. Uh, so let's dive in here. So some of the common symptoms, I think, Chris, I, I remember back taking phone calls and getting guys to call in and just kind of try to describe the issue. And it is very much like you said, the truck ran totally fine. Yep. I feel like that's how every one of these conversations starts. My truck was perfect. It was running totally fine. I parked it. I went back out and it won't start. Right. Um, do we get any other descriptions? Like, do we get guys that are talking about a long crank before it starts? Um, do, is there a buildup I mean, in the symptoms? I think it's not just one day it was driving fine, one day it failed, and I have catastrophic failure, right? I think it's it starts with it runs and drives okay, and then maybe an extended crank, or it might act up when it's warm versus when it's cold or vice versa. Um, I had a gentleman actually call in today, ironically, saying, I have a 220,000 mile LB7. When it's cold, it starts, fires right up. If I drive it for an hour, park it, go to restart it, it'll run for 10 seconds and die, and that's that. Ooh, so, so really unique. <laughs> yeah. Like, there isn't like this blueprint of like, this is what happens. But I will generally say that if you are in tuned with the truck, some of this stuff could be caught pre, you know, preemptively or prematurely, yeah. right? So, there's just a lot of different scenarios there. Yeah. You know, I think back to when I had that Kodiak and I was, I was driving you it back that? and forth to work. Yeah. yeah, somebody mentioned it the other day. Um, so what did we originally think was the problem with that? When you yeah, were having so, your issue? so I was driving five miles a day. Yep. That's literally two and a half miles to work and two and a half miles home. Um, I never took it over 55 miles an hour. I barely had enough runway to get yeah. up to 55 miles an hour. Well, it was pretty much tapped at 40, at 55. Yeah, it was She was at the edge of it. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden one day it wouldn't do over like 40. Yep. It just, it would not go over 40 miles an hour. And I came in and... You know, I was newer here and, yep. and newer to diesel and everything, and I kind of went to to the guys in tuning and to Nick and was like, hey, uh, my truck won't go over 40. And we started talking about it, and it, it's an LB7 motor with a five-speed Allison 1000 and yep. a C4500 that I've been daily driving. They're like, it's a trans. Well, plus, Just guarantee it's a trans. In, in, our, in our atmosphere of work back then, it, a lot of crap talking, a lot of sad oh, yeah, talking yeah. was going around and yeah. making the worst, the worst possible scenario <laughs> possible. That's but uh, yeah, we all had this hunch that it was going to be the transmission and you kept driving and limping the truck yeah. in the meantime. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get to work. Right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not walking two and a half miles to drive. Yeah, I wasn't walking five no. miles. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it came down to a situation that we had to really kind of dig into the diagnostics and it's funny because we got to the fuel system I mean, you always get to the to the solution last because you wouldn't keep diagnosing well, something after you solved it. There were no codes. There were none of this. <laughs> we we took a data log, right? Yeah. We took out a log and drove the truck to find 
the complete left field sy symptom that we never thought. Yeah, it was just assumed. low on rail pressure. I mean, we'll just jump to the end of yep. the C4500 story. It was low on rail so pressure. So it ran, it started, it, no issues. No issues. It wasn't it leaking fuel anywhere anymore. And why wasn't anymore. it shifting? Uh, it didn't have enough power yep. to get over 40 miles an hour. It, it was tapped out on actual horsepower and torque to move the truck. Um, so I think it was making all of like 8,000 pounds of rail at peak or something like that. Which is or crazy. That's a unique, that's a unique but failure, was, yeah. right? But there's those guys, right? Like if you never had to drive over 40, 45 mile an hour, you would have kept driving, 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 driving the truck, never noticing until one day it didn't start. And then it would have been like, well, it was driving fine this whole time. That's right. Yeah. It it drove fine yesterday. Right. <laughs> that's what everybody says, right? It's so, it drove fine yesterday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those are some of the common symptoms. Uh, we don't, Extended crank, I, I don't think I've ever had that one. Somebody brought that up in the office is, is like, hey, would you get an extended crank? Um, no, I, I can't think of that ever happening. I'm sure somebody has had it happen. It has. I mean, I think it's- but, but it's pretty rare. If you run into like a bad set of injectors, I think an extended That's, crank is gonna be a little bit more problematic or symptomatic than yeah. a bad pump or a bad low side system. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I, I couldn't think of anything else. You're You're not, in this type of diagnostic that we're talking about, the crank no start, there is a possibility that you're gonna you're gonna cycle the key and not have codes yeah. too. That that's another. It's a real potential. Some trucks are the touchier trucks. than others. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's it, it's it's odd, and you also you don't know what what files have been flashed on your older right. trucks. Uh, this is probably like you mentioned earlier, most common an issue with LV7 and LLYs, 01 to 05 Duramaxes. I think that's where I've dealt with most of the, the crank no start issues. Yeah, I've always, I've always talked about with guys, you know, the way we would diagnose a truck eight, 10 years ago in our early starts here versus the way we would diagnose a truck five years ago to the way we would diagnose a truck today. Well, I know the LBZ LMM trucks we've diagnosed differently because those trucks are becoming older, higher mileage, they're aged. Yeah. LB7's LOI, it's kind of that same scenario. 03 Cummins, 0405 trucks. Like, you know, there's always these ideas of certain characteristics that these fuel systems possess when there is a failure. But at the same time, as they get older, you know, they are going to start to throw you for a loop and potentially show additional or odd wear because they're just older. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and and you're also you're gonna look at different components uh, w which have wear yeah. time on them, right? So so when your LB7 was brand new, we probably wouldn't jump to, to thinking about low pressure side fuel yeah. or, or a leaking fuel filter housing or something along those lines. Uh, we would probably talk about injectors because right. even when your truck was new, your LB7 injectors <laughs> still had some, some problems from the factory. Uh, so yeah, depending on how old your truck is and where it's been and what modifications have been made to it throughout its life, that's another big one. I know anytime I'm diagnosing a truck with a customer, one of the first things I ask is, what were your last modifications? What's the last thing you touched on the truck? Right, of course. I don't really, regardless of what your problem is or your symptoms are, let's just get a baseline. Yeah. You know, if you if the last thing you did was change injectors and now you smell fuel when you crank <laughs> it over, yeah. I have a pretty good guess That's of where to go look. That's a self-inflicted issue. That's so l let's try to play with an even playing field here, right? Sure. Let's talk about, you know, um, we'll talk about your typical common rail injection system, okay? And we'll just talk broad scope. Right? Love it. Um, and we'll talk about a bone stock vehicle. Higher mileage, a couple hundred thousand miles, right? You bought the truck, but it's stock. Okay. okay. Now, we'll start with the difference between like an 01 to 05 truck, uh, Duramax, versus 06 up. And I will group like the Cummins and the Power Strokes with their fuel systems is going to be in the 01 to 05 Duramax era, there is a separate controller called the FICM, Fuel Injection Control Module. 
six liters have them, but we're keeping the six liters out of this, right, just right. for this, yep. this topic. Um, and what the FICM does is it actually controls the injector. It has signal inputs from the ECM, but that FICM controls the injectors to fire, okay? Um, so it is possible that you could have a healthy fuel system, proper fuel pressure, proper supply, proper, 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 but the FICM is burnt out and the FICM isn't allowing the injector to turn on. Yeah, and right. I, I, we had talked about this, and, and to be honest, I was thinking back, and I'm like, man, in a year of troubleshooting on the phone full time, I can probably count on one hand how many FICM issues there yeah. were. Like, like it, it, it is definitely a potential issue. issue. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's one of those I always find after I've troubleshot everything well, else. Because, it's because, like the last because thing Because again, I it's an 01 to 05 window, right? There's right. this, there's this, there's this. So I, I say that because that's what that one main exclusion is, yeah. right? Yeah. But you get a guy that calls in, simple troubleshooting 101, hey, Paul, I have a, I have a truck, a common rail injection truck, and it's cranking and not starting. The first thing I would go and think about is, okay, well, it's a diesel engine, air, and fuel. If it has air <laughs> and it has fuel, it should start, right? That's right, yeah, as long as you have compression. So yeah. unless there's a rag, or any, I've seen these, these some bitches start even then, yeah. so unless you got like a two by four, you have something clogging the charger, <laughs> it's generally gonna fall back on the fuel, right? And this is generally where I feel a scan tool is gonna hold the most value because when you look at a fuel system, we're gonna have some imaging here for this, you have basically two parts. You have the low side and you have the high side. And the low side is gonna be your fuel tank. It's gonna be the fuel lines going down the frame rail. And it's gonna make its way through a filter to the CP3 pump, the back of it. That's, that's your right. low side fuel system. Rail pressure that we keep talking about, that's all on the high side pressure of the system. That's on your engine. So that's from the CP3 through the common rail, through the lines to the injector, which then makes its way into the cylinder. So when we have these issues where guys are like, hey, I have low fuel pressure, rail pressure, I have these issues, it could potentially be a high, high side pressure issue, but it could also be a low side issue. So now we have to get into how to diag that specifically. That's right, yeah. And your truck only, from the factory, your truck only has measurement or, or reporting of, of, rail, pressure. of, of yep. rail pressure, so high side pressure. So a lot of times guys will call in and say, you, you know, well, my truck makes 26K or my truck makes 23K, which is peak in an LB7. Yep. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so, so they'll say, well, so it's good. It, it, it's done, good. I unplugged my regulator, which is like a cheap, easy way to make your CP3 Dealer, pump go straight tie, to, yep. to peak rail pressure. So if you want to test peak rail pressure, you can unplug your regulator on an LB7. Well, any uh, of the trucks. Any of them. Yep. Um, you can unplug the regulator, truck will go to full rail, and then you can log it. But but a key, key component here is you have to be able to see that data. Mm -hmm. um, scan tools. Pretty much any mechanic scan tool will be able to pull rail pressure. Generally, any decent scan tool will pull desired and actual. Yeah, which That's is what you need. Important. That's what you That's need. That's like absolutely crucial. I have seen guys where they, they're they on different vehicles. I was just talking to Super Tech Jaden about the Roxor. They don't have desired rail pressure yep. as a PID. That's just the Roxor ECM doesn't track that for whatever reason through his scan tool. So for him, he had to unplug the regulator and then only be yeah, able to measure to peak because that. that's the only thing he can see. And a lot of cool things is some of the newer uh, modern tuner and hardware companies, they have the ability to monitor those PIDs. So, you know, EFL Live Auto Keller, FlashScan, V2, V3s, um, MM3s, Easy Links to name just a few, they yeah. have this ability. So if you do have a modified truck and you do have a tuner, you know, you have that ability. Or maybe your buddy's got one. Maybe your buddy has the hardware. You could always use that on your truck. Even the for CTS-1. The CTS-2, 3 yeah. <laughs> it's like even the older stuff that might still be floating around, I think, yeah. I, I guess 
guess I don't know about a Predator tuner, if those are I still floating in anybody's will, toolbox. Yeah. Um, but pretty much anything after that, you, you your tuner, regardless, like you said, of what it is, likely has it. Some of those are really easy to use. Uh, easy Link is clearly the simplest to use if you are an end user and you know nothing about diesel and you're not a mechanic, which I think both of us would say not a mechanic. Nope. Um, it's really hard to go wrong with, with data logging with Easy Link. I mean, you, you follow up with your technician for instructions of how they want you to do it, but you, you can't fuck it up is my, the long and short of it. Uh, EFI Live, you know what? If you follow the procedure for EFI Live, if you're really good with like reading directions and following them step by step, EFI Live is pretty straightforward. You do run into BBX settings with those, so mm -hmm. that's black box flashing settings. That means that basically the PIDs that we that are pre-programmed to scan and to record have to be programmed onto each AutoCal. Yep. Uh, that way, if you have a guy who's only going to ever own a Cummins, you could load him with only Cummins, Cummins PIDs. Uh, same thing for any other model that it supports, right? So, so you do got to make sure that that's spot on. You don't necessarily have to data log if you have an AutoCal, and I'm thinking AutoCal, the, the flash scan V2. You just need to be able to have save. the PIDs on the screen to be able to monitor actual That's it, yeah, yeah, so there is a way to just display instead of log. So you yep. kind of actually monitor it instead of data logging it. And the, and the reason that would be beneficial is if you don't want to go back and forth to your computer often, if you're making small adjustments or just doing a quick check, you're at the gas station and, and you just started noticing the problem, or God forbid your truck goes crank, no start at a gas right. station. Um, you can jump in and at least monitor some of these things with that. MM3, MM3 has digital gauges, might be the most 8-bit gauges currently available for a new but new this, unit. This but, isn't about but pleasant of looking, it's about it, data right, collection. Right. Right, it works. Uh, the data logging on MM3, I can't remember, have you data logged any trucks with MM3? I have. Easy? Hard? Not any more difficult than any of the other scan tools, okay. you know, but I think with MM3, the only way you would do a data log is if the tuner wanted it, right? For yeah. your diagnostic ability, you can monitor actual and desired and back into that. Yeah, yeah, because the gauges are up, so you can pull the gauges up and actually look at it. Um, One of the things too, Paul, as we talk about all of these awesome tools, these are only tools to monitor the high pressure system. So now we have to look at, you know, potentially areas to monitor low side or the low pressure side of the fuel system, which if this is an 01 to 16 Duramax, a vacuum gauge, if it's a no lift pump truck, no fast air dog, any yeah. of those, we're gonna need a vacuum gauge and we're gonna tie in or tap into the fuel filter housing for that. Or maybe you do have a lift pump on the truck and you're running into issues. Sure. We still wanna verify that you have proper fuel supply where then you have to run a PSI gauge and you can actually tap that into the plenum of the lift pump just to ensure that you are getting adequate pressure. That's right. So you know you have those two options there where Again, as we get into where to start and how to go about this, these are some of the basic tools that you're going to need yeah. in order to back into where your issue and stems your, from. And your early model CP3s, if I remember correctly, will pull one to five inches of vacuum off the test port. Yeah. Uh, so there's a test port on the side of the CP3. You can jump on, find the videos to walk you through how to do that. I don't think we want to get into the no. weeds on like that specific, but uh, that's where you would hook up your vacuum gauge. You'd be able to actually hit the test port on the CP3, measure one to five inches of vacuum. If you are in that, that that's a Pretty, it feels like a pretty big, Off the fuel filter you know, end. gauge. Um, but but as long as you're in there, you should be good to go, yep. right? Right. So we should know. Okay, I have low side. The other way to diagnose, like the official, I think when we had Phil Grandinetti, our old shop manager, on the podcast one time, we asked him about diagnosing low pressure side. And he said, "Well, you can test the port, and if that doesn't work, you can check the 
the lift pump, like you said. And if there is no lift pump and you're dealing with all stock stuff, you said your next step is pulling down the entire fuel rate, like the entire feed line and testing each piece of it independently. Right. That's tough, man. That that is a that is well, that is one of those that I hope you're a mechanic and you have a lift so you can get under there and right. get everything easily. That, that, and if you're on a crawler in the difficult. garage, that's a that's, very tough job to do at home. I think you know when we when we get into the the actual where to start process of this, right? Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to be the customer here, Paul. Right? Like, I'm calling you. I have an issue. It's a common rail system. We've already talked about the Fickham piece, so we'll keep sure. the Fickham piece out of it. Fickham works. Fickham's not Fickham a works. We talk. We check. Um, but I have a no crank, no start. I have a, a crank, no start scenario, and I have an EFI Live tool, and I've already verified that the truck is not building rail pressure, right? So it's got to be a pump. It, it's it, it's very likely. And this is one thing too, as I think guys will find when you're dealing with a remote support technician. Um, and we we used to have our, our remote support expert Sean Lynn on the show all the time. Yep. Uh, he'll tell you you almost never are going to get a guarantee on a diagnostic over the phone. No. Generally, I could point you into the right direction and give guidance. you some other tests. <laughs> like, here's some other tests you could do to verify what I think it is. But but really, they're over the phone. They're, they can't do the final test on the right. truck to tell you for sure this is what it is. Um, there are some things that, that they can tell you to go and check for. Like, hey, when you're cranking, is it puffing white smoke as it's, as it's cranking? That's one of the big keys. I mean, if it's getting a lot of fuel, which is what would be vindicated or be common if um, if you're cranking and it's cranking and cranking and cranking and it's puffing white smoke and it sounds like it's chugging. It's getting the fuel. It's getting fuel. Yep. I, I, I can I can tell you that much. Um, it's getting fuel. I would be more scared of some other catastrophic issues yeah. if that was where you were at. I don't that think that's super common. That injector or something is, like yeah. that. But I think from the guideline of just fuel system, you know, diag, you have a truck. It has no rail pressure. The first thing my head thought process would go to is, okay, no rail pressure at idle. There's going to be no smoke out the pipe. Let's get a vacuum gauge in the mix if it. It doesn't yeah. have a lift pump, right? Now, and see what that is. It's a, a vacuum gauge because we started this on on an LLY yeah. LB7. Is that if I pull on the vacuum gauge, am I going to expose the fuel filter housing leak? Because I, I think it's pretty well known that, that we have leaky fuel filter housings for the 01 to 05 Duramax. 01 to 16. It's 01 a to potential, 16, really, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's one of those things where there's a uh, valve, uh, a little uh, pipe thread fitting or whatever you want to call it that you can tap into for vacuum on those. Um, so you, you have that ability to check and see if that's what's going on. One of the things I always talk to guys about is get underneath the truck and look for fuel leaks. Is there any visible leaks, <laughs> yeah. the fuel filter canister, anything like that, right? right. Um, from there, if you don't see any visible leaks, because that'd be the easiest thing to do, then it's to get a vacuum gauge on a Duramax, right? And verify what is vacuum. Are you pulling vacuum? Is it not pulling vacuum? So from there, then I feel like you have a little bit better of an understanding as to where to go in the system. Right. So, so is the idea there that you've now eliminated the low side? So you have good vacuum, you don't have any visible leaks, you now can rule out low side issues? I would say that if you have vacuum or the vacuum is, is inadequate and it's lower than normal and you have a bleed off over time, that it's not going to be necessarily a low side issue because you don't have leaks, you don't have that. Right. Chances are at that point it's going to fall back on the vacuum supply from the pump just becoming tired and not being able to hold that prime. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, if the 
pump itself, you have good vacuum pressure and everything checks out there, then maybe lean more towards like the fuel filter housing itself. Well, that's I, fuel filter housing. I feel like I always spot that one by by priming the pump, which yeah. God forbid you have to go out and prime one of those stupid pumps. Uh, it does happen. They so suck. It's, it's, it they does. Really it suck. it to totally sucks. A lot of manual labor. And it's also it's it's not like. It's not like your lawnmower where it's like hit the primer button three times yep. and then crank and then, you know, it's not, you, you just pump until it feels like you can't press it anymore. So yep. that could be good or bad. Uh, a key one there to test if it's fuel filter housing, I feel like is prime it, go inside and have lunch. Yeah. And come see if back it stays, out, I agree. Come yep. back out and did you lose prime? Yep. Go, so go hit the button again. Did you lose prime? Yep. If you lost prime, it's probably a leaking fuel yep. filter housing on, on the 01 to 16 yep. Duramaxes, right? I, what about Cummins? Third gen Cummins have that issue? Third gen Cummins, so what's cool with all the other platforms is they actually have lift pumps in the tank, so they have a consistent fuel supply. Yeah. So have I ever ran into a leaky fuel filter housing on those? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. Right. Anything is. It could. Um, but I haven't really I ran one either. I haven't really ran into too many issues with that. Now what about what about in tank pumps failing? I've seen in-tank pumps fail on those trucks. It is definitely a possibility. Is it an electronic issue? Like, oh, the wires get corroded over time? Because I would assume that if there's a pump in there, there's some sort of electronics running to it. I or would, is it like the pump just wears out I because it's a pump with seals? corrosion over time. I'm sure the way we would diag, again, an 0304 Cummins now versus 10 years ago yeah. is different. But I would say it's just like the motor themselves burn out. Okay. What I think I find a lot more of when guys are calling in and they're asking for advice, it's they've already misdiagged the truck, right? Uh, they've already misdiagged the pressure issue, they've already misdiagged the low side, and their mechanics say, okay, let's throw a lift pump into the mix. Well, the truck's lasted you 200,000 miles with no lift pump. Now we're gonna throw a lift pump in. If you're one of those lucky individuals where the truck then runs, you are band-aiding a bigger problem that is not the fix. So unless you can prove that the lift pump did fail, right? Or something along sure. those lines. Well, well, this is the other one I was gonna hit on too, is, is a lot of this, we kind of skipped over one of the easiest things to spot, which is a failed lift pump. And that, that so often could be the issue. Now, some lift pumps are passed through. So yep. if the lift pump fails or if it loses power, uh, it will just simply pass fuel through it. I drove my black, uh, my 15 Ram for a year with the lift pump not working, never realized it because the, the, pass through. the fuse, the yeah. fuse popped. Fuse popped. Yeah. yeah, so fuse could pop, right? So stupid 10 amp or whatever, 15 amp yep. fuse, whatever it is, could pop. And, and you won't know. You, you know, the, your truck likely won't throw a check engine light for the it. truck was just a little quieter than normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that is true. Lift, lift pumps failing is is probably more common than a white, what I think people suspect. Yeah. Not, that, not that lift pumps are unreliable. Most of them, all the ones we use come with lifetime warranties yeah. and things like that. Um, but it is it is one of those that you, you do want to go back and you want to check your basics at the very beginning of this yeah. and not be like me and you know tear your transmission yeah. apart to find out it was a rail pressure issue. Um, you know, take your time, right? Start at the simple stuff. That's what our super tech Jeremy's always telling us. Yep. Start with the simplest, easiest thing to get to. Um, and then work your way up into the more complicated and less less common areas, um, which is where I think one of the tools that I would recommend to have handy if, if this starts to get complicated is a voltmeter. Okay. Uh, because we do run into some of these where it does end up being some sort of stupid electronic issue, oh, thick yeah. um, pop fuse, whatever. It's, it's, yep. Some of these things actually it can be tougher to diagnose without yeah. something very simple like that in your in your tool bag. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is it is always heartbreaking whenever we hear about somebody who yeah. has gone through and and invested tons of money on on band-aiding problems yeah. or you know the parts guesser is what I would call that mechanic who says I guess we're going to throw another part at it. Right. Um, 
sometimes that works. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've talked to many, right. many mechanics at install shops, and many times they they rely on their gut um, and and their past experience. They throw another part at it, and it usually works. It usually gets the customer down the road, yep. uh, at least to the next shop. So, <laughs> <laughs> or to call us. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so, so this is one of those. Like I said, like I said before, is is you want to you want to keep it simple. You got to work through that troubleshooting tree. You, like like you mentioned, start eliminating possibilities. Yep. Know where the fuel starts, and where the power ends. And if you know those things, it'll be a little easier to <laughs> diag. Yeah, yeah. You'll have a little bit less stress doing it. Next time you're gonna be going to the shop telling them how to diag. Your issue, you know? <laughs> Another thing mechanics hate. Yeah, don't don't do that. No, um, please don't. But but this this I, th I think is it was a really fun episode yep. to to put together. We hope that you guys like it. We'd love to hear more feedback from you. Jump on over to fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. Uh, it's a public group. We'd love to have you join the discussion and talk mm -hmm. to us. We do also release a lot of like early notices and cool stuff goes yeah. on in there that we don't necessarily put on the Duramax Tuner Facebook page. Uh, so check it out. Um, coming up here next month, I'll just give you guys a heads up. We're looking for more uh, diesel truck memes. Throw them over to us at the Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. Uh, if it's something really cool, You're we'll, a meme uh, monster. we'll share it. Yeah, meme monster. I've been called worse. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Paul. And I'm Chris. Have a great night. Hey guys, Jeremy from the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, we're gonna do the Super Tech segment on this Hummer I built, this 05 Hummer. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about it, uh, why it came back, what we're doing to it, and let's dig into it. So this customer came back after taking the vehicle for a couple of months, and now that we're in the hotter months of the year, uh, July around here in Chicagoland, it gets pretty warm. Customer's complaining while he's driving down the highway, um, you know, in and out of traffic on uh, on ramps, off ramps, stuff like that. The coolant temp's getting up to around 230. Uh, not super hot, but not where we want it to be. Um, what we did is we got into it, started diagnosing it a little bit, and some of the things that I checked and some of the things that I'm going to check uh, is first thing, thermostats. Are the thermostats opening? Um, things like that. Um, also, what I want to check is airflow through the cooling stack, especially on this, since the cooling stack sits in a weird angle. Uh, make sure it's not blocked um, and make sure it actually got good airflow through it. Um, then one other thing I want to check is the the fan clutch on it. So um, since with part of, since this build, uh, part of the build was that we had to put a different fan clutch with a different fan blade on it to convert from the Duramax to the coolant stack of the Hummer. So we wanna make sure all of that was working properly along with the new radiator and intercooler setup compared to the factory setup. So the, some of the things how I did and how I checked that is that um, a piece of paper is actually key. Um, you put a piece of paper on the coolant stack and you actually wanna see if it's gonna pull that piece of paper and hold that piece of paper on the coolant stack. And in this case, um, it wasn't, not like I wanted to see. You know, it's like, have you ever seen a bag stuck to the front of a hood of a car or a grill? That's kind of what I was checking for, is to make sure that the airflow through it was good enough. Um, at that point, I already knew that the thermostats were opening um, at 185 degrees. Uh, I checked that with a uh, thermometer um, at the 
thermostat housing itself and then my upper radiator hose was hot and my lower radiator hose was hot so and it really wasn't getting that hot during normal driving it's just heavy abuse that it was getting hot so um, our diagnosis on this one was that the fan clutch was not working properly and the more you beat on it the hotter it got it just didn't have enough efficiency in the fan clutch to keep the coolant stack cool so we're going to go ahead and we're going to put a fan clutch on this and go from there Okay guys, on here, my favorite tool to use, the pneumatic fan clutch tool that goes on the end of your air hammer. Um, they do make manual ones or mechanical ones, but I, I like to use the pneumatic one on top of my air hammer. Now my pro tip on this um, truck is patience and test driving. Um, again, you go back to the beginning of the video where I was talking about um, how we finished this truck in December. Well, December here is cold. Now we're in July where it's 100 degrees. Um, also where morning and night, the, uh, the guy drives the truck uh, in the morning, the temperature's fine, goes out at two o'clock in the afternoon when it's 100 degrees and the truck gets warm. So uh, especially on the bigger build trucks like this where it's a lot, you're doing a big conversion, uh, test driving and time um, is key because it's something that I didn't catch and it took, two months for the customer to catch itself and that's why it's back so but we got it all fixed up and time is key so thanks guys for listening to the podcast this week and we'll get you some more contact next week thanks for joining us today guys uh, this has been paul wilson and chris emke make sure to like and subscribe and we'll talk to you again soon i'm ready to go home